0: Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 6. We're walking through the Beatitudes, and, and we're talking about this subject about joy found and how to find joy. And, and another way to say that may be how to find unreasonable joy. In other words, joy that isn't dependent on situations, is not dependent upon circumstances, it's not really dependent upon your relationships around you, That is possible as believers that what he offers and what Jesus talked about is this issue that it is possible just to find unreasonable joy where there's like no explanation and you're not you're not tied to the world like, like the world is about your happiness because happiness is based upon circumstance or, or happenstance and this joy is, is tied to something deeper than that this joy is, is tied to him and so we've been walking through these beatitudes and we come to verse 6 and, and the beatitude this morning is this and he said but blessed are those or in other words joy is found or unreasonable joy is found in the man or the woman who thirst." and hungers for righteousness, and then he gives a promise. In fact, there's a lot of the Beatitudes, he's tied to a promise, that if you do this, if you live life like this, then there's something, there's a benefit, there's something that happens as a result of that. And so the beatitude says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for, here's the promise, for you will be satisfied. Now, for us in our culture, it's kind of hard for us to understand that with, when you, in our context, because many of us, probably all of us, have never really gone hungry. We have probably never really truly starved, and we've probably never really truly gone without water. We've never gone without nourishment. If you look at our, our society, if you look at our world, you find that, you know what, most of our stuff is geared around food, right? I mean, it's like we think, that's all we think about. We, we think about where we're going to meet, where we're going to eat. Fact is, many of you may have already decided where you're going to have lunch right after church and where you're going to meet and what you're going to do. And, and so you've had that discussion. And so in our culture, in our context, it's really hard to under, understand this, this issue of, of food and, and but in the community and the culture that Jesus was speaking into, they got it. They knew what it was like to go without food. They knew what it was like to go without water. Fact is, in their culture, a man would work for a day, and in fact is he, he made about a one denarius a day. That would barely just meet their needs. And so they weren't paid every two weeks and they weren't paid once a month and, and they weren't paid like that. If they worked, at the end of the day, they got one-day wages a denarius. See, in their culture, in their context, there was no sick leave. There were no personal days. There was no vacation. There was no holidays. There was no 401Ks or 403Bs. There were no savings accounts. There were no emergency funds. They wouldn't even know what that is about. That is just foreign to them. And if a man could not eat or could not work for any reason, whether he was injured Whether he was sick or there wasn't a job for him that day, they went without. See, when Jesus spoke these words into them, they knew what it was like to long for nourishment. They knew what it was like to long for a cool drink of water. When, When we were in Israel, Karen and I took a group to Israel in 2008, and everywhere we went, we took bottled water just trying to get the dust out of your mouth and it was just arid and it was just dry and it was just dusty. And now Jesus stands up and said, joy is found in the man or the woman that hungers and thirsts after me. Joy is found in the man or woman that understands that they are desperate for me. In the same way that food is on their mind, in the same way that physical nourishment is on their mind, nourishment and food from me should be even stronger because they've realized and they've learned that joy is found in the man or the woman that hungers and thirsts after me. Just a few spiritual truths that we can pull out of this this one beatitude that is so rich and just so deep and has such a wonderful promise attached to it. For you will be satisfied you will find joy you will find eternal joy you will find this inner joy you'll find something different that 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 the world cannot give you That is not tied to situations and not tied to circumstances and the first spiritual truth is this is that fulfillment in life is desired by every person that is true whether you're a believer or a non-believer that is one thing that is true in, in, in the world that is one thing that is true about all humans that we all desire to find fulfillment in life. And, and maybe people look for fulfillment different ways, but we all desire to be, be fulfilled. In other words, that we're all hungry. And we're all thirsty for, for some things. It's, we have, we have a, a physical hunger, right? But the crazy thing is this. It's continual. I mean, you eat one meal and you're already hungry. I mean, if you have teenagers, you know that principle is true. It's just like you eat one meal and, and you're thinking about the next. And we have this need to be, be nourished physically that is just not a one-time deal. But you know what? Everybody is hungry emotionally. Right? Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, that it's true that everybody hungers emotionally. That they hunger for relationships. They hunger for relationships that will, will, will complete them, some would say. Or they find joy in that. Or they're driven by this issue of loneliness. And they just don't want to be alone. And they just don't want to deal with loneliness. And so they, they believe, and maybe it's misplaced, but they believe that if I find the right relationship, if I find the right friend, then, then you know what? I can be fulfilled emotionally or relationally. A Wednesday night, uh, Karen and I both had meetings here, and our meetings both ended up late, and so we were hungry. And so we walked out of church together, and Karen says, God, yeah, you know, I-, I could really go somewhere and eat. How about you? And I said, I'm about to die. And so. Uh, so we went over to Applebee's. It was about eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. We walked in Applebee's. They seated us near the bar. And so I looked over at the bar, and I was kind of, as we were visiting, because uh, I'm ADD, and I know what all is going on. I don't know, not only know what all is going on in the restaurant. I know what everybody's talking about. And uh, that's just the way it is when you're ADD. And so fact is, my family knows that. When we're at a restaurant, and the kids are wanting to know what's going on at the table next to us, dad, what's going on? I said, well, you know, here's what's going down. And so I tell them. <laughs> It's not that I'm nosy. It's just a spiritual gift. And so so I look over at the bar, and I was shocked with the number of people that were there by themselves, drinking a drink and watching a sports game. And I turned to Karen. I says, look at that. That's crazy. They could drink a drink and watch a game in their home. Why do they come here? Karen's like, because they're lonely. They just want to be in a room full of people. They don't want to sit at home alone and drink a drink and watch a game. fact is, they would rather sit in a room with a group of strangers just to try to get rid of... See, single bars are like the loneliest places on the face of this earth. I mean, you know of another place where complete strangers offer to buy another stranger something? It's weird, Right? Have you ever been in Walmart, ladies, and someone walks up to you and says, excuse me, ma'am, can I buy you a toaster? <laughs> you know what? Late enough at Walmart, that could happen. <laughs> but you know what that drive is? That drive is because people are, in fact, if psychologists, counselors tell us, one of our strongest drives is to be in a relationship we'll even compromise in, in relationships knowing that they're destructive knowing that that one night is not worth it that we're gonna lose our family we're gonna lose relationships around us because we have bought into a false belief that fulfillment is found joy is found in relationships we're also financially hungry and thirsty right I mean, there's some people that have come to believe that joy and peace is found in money. That if I can get a big enough pile of money, if I can get a big enough savings account, if I can have enough homes and enough toys and the best car, the best homes and best clothes and all of these other things, then I'll find joy. I'll find satisfaction. And people will compromise values, compromise beliefs, because they're so starved and they believe. That money, possessions, will bring fulfillment. I just finished the the biography of Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs developed an iPad and Apple computers and that whole deal and and recently died early in life. And It was just reported that, 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 that Apple has $100 billion in cash on hand, which is more money than our government has on hand. It's a scary deal on all kinds of levels, right? Now, you think in our lifetime, if there's any one man that found fulfillment through finances and wealth and riches, it would be him? His biography is one of the saddest books I've ever read. Do you realize with all the inventions, Pixar, Apple, iPad, iTunes, revolutionized the music industry, revolutionized the computer industry, revolutionized the movie industry, this man never found fulfillment? This man never found joy. He died never feeling like he was good enough, that he had fulfillment, and he had joy. They're spiritually hungry. God's created this way. One philosopher said that every one of us is created with a God-shaped vacuum a desire to know him, a desire to... Do you realize there's never been a culture, there's never been a civilization discovered that did not have some form of worship in their culture? Some form of worship trying to connect with him spiritually and trying to have meaning and joy in their, in their life? You see, the deal is this. This isn't, a, this isn't a Christian, non-Christian issue. This is a human issue. Everybody desires to find fulfillment. But the second thing is this. It's just a sad principle. Jesus talked about it. Not everybody will find fulfillment. In other words, fulfillment will not be found by everyone. That's why Jesus said, Joy is found in the man or the woman. Joy is found in the man or the woman. That thirsts for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now listen, a lot of times when people talked about thirsting and, 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 and hunger for the physical sense, they would use what is called in the Greek a genitive case. And that meant that they, they hungered and thirst for a little piece of food, a little bit of water, that they, that they hungered and thirst for just a little bit that would get them through the day, get them through the meal. That's all they cared about. But it's interesting, when Jesus talked about this, he did not use the, the genitive case, he used the accusative case, which means this, when you hunger and thirst for all of it, not a piece of it, not a little bit of it, not just a part of me, not just a little bit of me. But when you and I come to the point that we hunger and thirst for all of him, you find, you find joy. See, the most miserable people that I meet sometimes are people in the church. They got one foot in the church and they got one foot in the world. They don't really want all of God. They just want a little piece of him. Just enough to relieve them of some guilt. Just enough to relieve them of some shame. Just enough of him to hopefully give them eternal life. But they really and truly do not desire all of him. To where it changes everything about them to where it changes their priorities and it changes their value system. It changes the way they handle their marriages and their dating life and and their professional life and their career. It changes the way they they align up with their their goals. It changes the way that the things that they they thirst for and they hunger for. See, C.S. Lewis said this. He said, most Christians don't want enough of God to change them, just enough to give them some social responsibility, to where people respect them, See, there's a lot of people that do not find joy in the Christian life because they they really don't want God to change them. They really don't want to change their values and how they live their life. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't have any joy. And I'm miserable. I may look good on the outside. Down deep, I don't have that unreasonable joy. I don't don't have that joy that's not tied to circumstance and situations. And and maybe no one knows it but but you. Jesus says, you know what the problem is? The problem is this. You don't want all of me. You just want the parts of me that you agree with and the parts of me that you like that all your sins are forgiven and you get to go to heaven one day and and I'm not the real authority in your life. You are. And Jesus' joy is found. See, sometimes it's like spiritual malnutrition to where we hunger and we thirst not seeking after the things that can fill us or fulfill us or because of joy or it can be after seeking not the whole thing and not all of it and we wonder why don't we have joy why don't we feel fulfilled? Why don't we have purpose and meaning and life? Solomon, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is written about. He's the, he was the richest, wealthiest man of their time. There's no way he was ever going to run out of money. See, he believed. That you could find fulfillment in, in money and you could find fulfillment in possessions, and you could find fulfillment in fame, and you could find fulfillment in success or popularity, or, or you could even find fulfillment in, in, in sex. In fact, instead of Solomon, he had 2,000 wives. That means 2,000 mother-in-laws. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. <laughs> and you know what he writes? He lived his whole life like that. He said everything is meaningless under the sun. Which means everything in life is meaningless without God. Everything is mean, meaningless without pursuing Him and desiring all of Him. And desiring Him to just change your, your life. The last spiritual tr- principle that we have this morning is this. Is that, is that fulfillment in life is found when we're desperate to be fulfilled by Jesus Christ. In other words, fulfillment in life is found when we hunger and thirst what? When we hunger and thirst after him. that. that 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 he's the one that gives meaning to life. He's the one that gives joy. He's the one that gives us that joy that is unreasonable that we cannot understand. Now, listen, Matthew chapter seven. We're going to walk through a few verses together. Starting in verse twenty-one. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you're taking notes, I'm, I'm telling you, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. I mean, I think this is that important because here's the deal. In my study, I have preached on this text. I have studied this text for years in my life. In seminary, I wrote a a paper on this text. And this last week in my study, it was just, I'd never seen this before, ever, when Jesus kind of makes this contrast. And so, verse 21, here's what he says. He says, uh, "Not Not everyone who says to me, So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then all of a sudden you see that word but. In other words, he, he's building a contrast. He said there's two types of people. And he says not everyone who, who says Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's more than what you say. Just because you claim to be a believer does not mean you are a believer. Just because you, 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 you say you're a Christian does not make you a believer. And we've just got to get this. We've just got to understand this. And this isn't me. This is what Jesus said. This is the writings of Jesus. And so he goes on and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But, so here we go. So what's the contrast. What is he trying to say? Watch this. But the one who does. The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, Jesus makes a distinction between the one who says and the the one who does. In other words, what Jesus is saying, the one that is fulfilled in him, the one that has joy in him, it is just not what they say. Is what they, what they do. See, your beliefs never become a reality till they're lived out, or they're truly not a belief; they're just a feeling. I mean, if I if I told you this morning that, hey, guess what? I believe it is a great deal, and I believe in eating healthy. And then you walk in the black eyed pea on Monday, which, by the way, is chicken fried Monday, every Monday. Thank the Lord. And you walk in and you see what is on my plate and everything is fried. I mean, I believe in eating all vegetables as long as they're fried. (laughs) And you look on my plate and everything is fried. And you heard me say, I believe in eating healthy and I believe eating healthy is good. The reality on my plate, you would say, you obviously don't believe that. See, we make this false belief that that our beliefs are real as long as we say we believe in them. Our feelings are real. But listen, let me tell you something. Your feelings do not become faith. Your feelings do not become beliefs until they are lived out and there's some reality there. I mean, I mean, you say the deal about, well, I believe in the local church. I mean, I believe the local church is the hope of the world. I believe the local church is spreads the gospel. I believe in all of that. But you never give any of your time. You never give any of your finances. You never give any of your resources. To the local church, it's just a feeling. It's not a belief. You say, I believe in w- walking in purity and relationships. I believe in loving my wife like the church loves, like Jesus loves the church. And you don't live that out? That is not a belief. That's a feeling. That's what Jesus is trying to get across. That's what Jesus is trying to say. See, we live in a world where it's just easy believism. We live in a contemporary Christianity world to where we say, you know what, you're a believer. If you just just give... If you just give the least little bit of evidence that you believe in him, then we'll call you good. We'll call you a Christian. You just say the right things. You just say, Lord, Lord. The contemporary Christian world that we live in does not connect with what you say to what you do. Doesn't matter. You you can live however you want. And as long as you say you believe in God, we'll call it good. And what Jesus said, wait a minute. There's a day coming. Verse 22, when many. Well, let's just just read it. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. So all of a sudden, he begins to give his list. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? See, that's what religious people do. See, religious people always go back to their list. Well, here's my church attendance. This is the church I was a member of. Um, This is some of the things that I did. See, that's what religious people do. Religious people, that's all they can do. They cannot talk about relationship. They cannot talk about, like, knowing Christ and hearing from him. They cannot talk about opening up his word and how it speaks to them. See, people with a list, people who are religious always go back to the religious, mindless things that they do because they believe. It's in what they say. See, psychologists and counselors understand this this principle. And they will tell you when people come in their office that they can have all kinds of beliefs. A person can believe they're Superman. A person can believe they can fly. A person can believe they can jump off of a building and survive. But if there's no reality, if there is no proof in them, that is not a belief. Fact is, you know what they call it? They don't call it beliefs. When any individual comes into their office and says this is what they believe, but they don't live it out in their life, they don't call it beliefs. You know what they call it? They're delusional. It's a delusion. That's what Jesus is trying to understand or trying to get us to understand and so this guy goes through his list. So in other words, this guy was at a Bible-believing church, wouldn't you say? I mean, this guy's at a church. I mean, I mean they prophesied his name. They cast out demons in his name. And they do miracles and mighty works in his name. And here's, here's just some things I started thinking of. If his list doesn't get him to heaven, then my list won't get me to heaven. Never done any of that. I never cast out demons out of someone. I never had healing services where, where people that, that were blind could see or people that were in wheelchairs could walk. I've never done any of that. Jesus is trying to get them to understand, It's more than what you say. It's more than what you claim. You know what this guy was claiming? Jesus, let me tell you the church that I was a part of. Here's what went down in my church. That's a great church. Man, they prophesied in your name. They kicked out demons in your name. We saw, we saw God do some unbelievable things in our church, and Jesus says, Yeah, you were never really a part of that church. And you just attended. You just watched from the stands. You were a spectator. wasn't you so we bought into this false belief it's what we say it's not what we do Now, in other areas of our life we don't let anybody get by with that right we look at their walk we look at their actions and then I will declare to them I never knew you we like never had a relationship like your life did not change because of me your value system and your priorities and everything about you stayed the the same your list doesn't make you a disciple of Christ. Your list doesn't make you a follower. I know him, and he knows me, and because of that, it changed my life. It's in what you say, and it's in what you, what you do. I don't know if you've ever been around people that dealt with malnutrition, and, and I've been to Beattlestock, Poland, and saw it, and... Um, took a group to the, from this church from, to the Dominican of the Republic and our team actually held a girl that uh, so spiritually malnourished that she died hours after coming into our clinic but maybe you've seen pictures on TV of that here's the interesting thing about physical malnutrition Children's stomachs are are bloated to the point when you look at them, you think they have eaten everything in sight. You don't even think they're hungry. I mean, you just look at them, and you look at how bloated their stomachs are. You you, you, You think they're filled. But they're dying on the inside because they're physically malnourished. And I think that's what happens to us. We think we can fake it. We think we can learn the language and go to the right church and say the right things and make the right claims. And we can do it in attendance and we can do it in in all these other things. And Jesus is saying it is true. You can do a lot of things in church and not have Christ. You can be full of ministry. Here's the scary thing. You can be full of ministry and not full of Him. That joy is found, what Jesus is saying, joy is found in, in me and in telling you this last week it forced me to look at the things that I say and the things that I do and see if they line up and you, you can say that you believe that God will meet all of your needs and take care of you but if you're unwilling to give the first 10% to him. After all the promises that it says in scripture. You put me first in your finances? You'll live better off the 90% than you ever will off the 100% with me. I will open up heaven's gate with all those promises. to where you say I believe it's better to forgive and you're unwilling to forgive that person has betrayed you and hurt you that is not a belief that's a delusion most of us do not need to hear another sermon on forgiveness and read another scripture on forgiveness I mean, we need to learn how to, how to forgive. That's why the rabbis of their culture, I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about, but the rabbis of their culture would say things like this, that, that the part of the body that is primary to learning is not the ears, it's the feet. That's why Jesus says, follow me. You know how you learn to forgive. You forgive. That's where you learn how the pain of release and the pain of betrayal. That's where you learn how to forgive. Not one more devotional thought. Not one more scripture. We all know. You know where you learn how to trust God with your resources? You give. And then you watch him. Bless you. And so Jesus is talking about just this issue that he is the only one that fulfills. In fact, is the book of 1 John is written about this one subject. 1 John chapter 2 verse 6, here's what he says. He says so whoever says so here we go again. You see that word says. Fact is, this thought is through Jesus' ministry, the Apostle Paul's ministry. Fact is, it's all the way through the New Testament. Whoever says he abides in him ought. In other words, in the Greek, that means is obligated to. So your, your, your beliefs line up with your actions. So the one who says that he abides in him, abides in, in Christ through God, that, a, a, that is a believer... Ought to walk, how? In the same way in which he walked. To where you understand that he is the only one that fulfills. He is the only one that gives meaning to life without him. The relationships and and the financial hunger that we have. And the the emotional hunger that we have. And the relational emotion that we have. and, And all of those things do not fulfill until we are first fulfilled in him. And that's why it says, "Whoever whoever claims to be my child, whoever pl- claims to be a follower of mine, ought to walk in the same way." You know how you learn to follow him? Is taking his principles and applying them to your life. That's why Jesus says, Joy is found in the man or the woman who hungers and thirsts, who desires all of me, for they will be satisfied. It's an in internal filling, like food and water. It means that they will be satisfied to the point that they will have spiritual blessing that they cannot explain and understand.